Hugo Versalovic is the son of Bolivian immigrants, a multiple addiction survivor, and a fellow Rice MBA. He is also founder of Life is Wonderful, where as a motivational speaker, he empowers people from middle school to corporations to live through self-awareness. Tonight, we have a Texas-sized leadership conversation as I step into Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Galen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. Okay, it's that time again. So this is going to be a conversation that I'm going to try to hold as a professional conversation because this is actually someone uh, that I've known for a while. We've got a lot of similarities in our leadership philosophy, probably some differences too, but some similarities because we actually went to school together. We've studied some of the same leadership dudes, but The difference with this guy is while I was going to school to learn to be a senior leader, he was already holding that seat as a senior leader and the perfect person, I believe, to bring into the conversation for Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. Hugo V, welcome to the room. Welcome to the conversation, man. I am so excited to have you join us. Come on in. I am excited too. There's nothing better than to feel joyful, happy, excited, and just ready to talk about all different types of subjects. (laughs) Well, man, I'll tell you, before we get in, because it it, it doesn't take much for us to jump into this conversation, uh, I've got to ask a very, very important question. It might even be life-altering or life-changing, and that question is, what you drinking? I am drinking 1186 water. Now, some of your listeners might be saying, why is he drinking water? See, now water is part of my drink DNA. I have been sober since May 24th, 1997, so I have not had any alcohol since then. Doesn't mean that I don't know anything about alcohol. I drank a lot between the ages of 13 and 30. My dad was a whiskey drinker. He used to love Johnny Walker. He was on a budget. It was Johnny Walker Red. When he was at a good restaurant, it was Johnny Walker Black. And when he really wanted to splurge on himself, it was Johnny Walker Blue. When I get up to St. Louis, I'll go buy you a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue just to say this is from my dad to you to say, hey, this is congrats of being a Rice classmate. Oh, fantastic, man. Well, that that is absolutely how it's done. And so since I knew that I was going to be stepping back over into Texas country, at least virtually, uh, you know, for, for tonight, I broke out this Balcones Baby Blue. It's a corn whiskey. It's the original Texas whiskey. Texas kind of kind of does its own thing because in Texas, they spell whiskey without the E. So it's it's W-H-I-S-K-Y. And this is one of those things that I got a while ago. And it sat on my shelf. I look around today and it's like double the price of what I paid for it. So now it's some pretty unique stuff to have. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour this Balcones Baby Blue. 
Let me tell you something about this 1186 water. It is the actual state water of Alabama. The guy, if you listen to the story, I would go to the website, 11, spell out the word 11, and then the numbers 86.com. It's black owned. It's almost pure water, artesian well. So the pH is 6.9. So I am drinking almost pure, completely balanced, water, not quite 7.0, but 6.9 to me is, that's 7.0. That's like perfect balance. And that's what our bodies are made out of water, and we need to fuel it with water. I love it. I love it. You mentioned Rice, that great institution of higher learning that both of us attended. It feels like a hundred years ago. You know, you have done so much while you were at Rice, and since you were at Rice, I would just love for you to tell the audience a little bit about your background. What have you done? What are you doing? And what are some things that we can get into as we start this conversation? Yeah, really quickly, I am the son of Bolivian immigrants. So my parents met in Bolivia, but they actually got married in New York City, born in New York City, but I was raised in Texas. So I got like the best of both worlds, born in the greatest city in the world and grew up in the best state in the union. So my dad was always a dreamer, even though he worked his way up and he was always a, he was a salesman, always an entrepreneur. So when I got out of UT in Austin with a background of BA in accounting, took a few clients that he had and just kind of developed it into a distributorship, industrial supply distributorship, flow meters, industrial chalk, some type of fittings and just grew that. But I knew at a point, though, I was already now in my mid-30s. I just got through some early recovery after spending a lot of time working on myself from addictions of alcohol and compulsive gambling. But I said, I need some more education. And that's kind of like when we met in the summer of 2002. So we had that two-year run from 2002 to 2004, where we learned a lot about business, leadership, teamwork. The world has changed a lot since 2002 and 2004, but there are some things that have stayed the same. And, you know, I'll I'll tell you one of the things that uh, I have always been impressed uh, about relative to you is is the fact that you kind of grew up in this hardcore industrial manufacturing flow meter type business. And a lot of people always think business is sexy and it's glamorous. And it is, it can be, but business is really about getting things done. So what what were some of the things that you've experienced that either reinforces this idea of, of business being sexy, or maybe there was nothing sexy about it. You just got to get things done. Oh, life is sexy. You <laughs> cannot stop there. If you don't think that life is sexy, there's something that you need to check in with yourself. I always say, because you got to look at yourself. You got. I would assume you get out of the, walk out the door. You think yourself is sexy. You think your woman is sexy and business is sexy. Now it's also hard work and you'll be doing some grunt work and you'll be sweating and at times it doesn't feel sexy, but you have to enjoy the work day. And, you know, just like anything in business and in sales, family business, you tend to wear more hats than other people do, but then you, you learn a little bit more about the marketing, about the accounting, about the sales, about distribution, about inventory, about making those sales calls. And I know you know a lot about making a lot of sales calls. There's a lot that goes into it in sales. You know, there's a phrase that I use a lot 
And that is uh, nobody eats unless somebody kills something. <laughs> and that's just really kind of a throwback to revenue being so important. Everyone focuses on the bottom line and the bottom line is important. Uh, but if there is no top line, there's no bottom line to worry about. So uh, tell me a little bit about your your experience with making that top line happen when when there doesn't seem to be any business around. We're, we're just now coming out, hopefully coming out of this pandemic. And I'm sure there are a lot of business owners that are struggling with that very question. How, how do I make the bottom line make sense when the top line is hard to come by? So let's take two subjects. One, when we were back in school and look at all the different courses we take, we took, as well as the pandemic. The one thing that business school tells you, well, you need to look at your strategy. You need to look at your culture. You need to look at all the different disciplines that kind of give you that broad business acumen. Yo, this is Galen. I'm excited to announce that now you can support the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast as a patron. Click the link wherever you hear this message to get more information and to register. But check this out. At just a $1 per month patron level, you get access to the What's Next newsletter sent to your email box each month. That's where you will learn information about upcoming guests, get more detail about my private stock whiskey collection, and you'll learn about my new jazz favorites as soon as I fall in love with them and much, much more. $8 per month, you become a VIP. And as a VIP, you'll gain access to special VIP content each guest has recorded specifically for VIPs. And you are able to join the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership community on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. For $13 per month, you become a private stock VIP. That's where all the real fun happens. You will have access to written transcripts of each episode an invitation to live tapings of future episodes and access to invitation-only opportunities to interact with me and our guests during monthly Q&A live events and lots of other surprises. We're stepping up our game to give you more insight and special access. I hope you join us. Cheers. Now let's look at the pandemic, which has now changed our economy. People keep going, we want to get back to normal. There is no normal. You cannot get back to normal. It's like people saying that I want to get back to world travel before 9-11. That world no longer exists. There is that many more people starting businesses, doing so much more social media. Well, obviously we're in our 50s, but in, within our class, I don't see many of our classmates on new social apps like Clubhouse, Instagram, really kind of doing podcasts, doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've kind of went down similar roads in terms of utilizing our presentation skills, our leadership skills. You have to adapt. And I think it goes back to one of our courses. This is part of your podcast title, Leadership. We both took a course, shout out to our 
Professor Dwayne Windsor. And when we talked about leadership, one of the things that a good leader, a good leader has to adapt. Because if you look back at the stock market, all the big companies in 1930 or 1960 or 2000, they're not, you would assume just because of sheer size and money and capital that they would still be in business. They are not. There's always change. In 2021 and the and this whole decade, this is a new environment of business. And you have to then know how to lead either yourself, your small company, or a big company. You talked about uh, adapting to change. You know, that that's always a challenge for everyone. I'm curious as to how you might distinguish between being adaptable to change as a as a leader, a business leader, and being really focused on achieving your vision, achieving your mission, and not being distracted by the noise that's around you. How do you distinguish between you know, the industry telling you that it's time to change and just noise that's intended to distract you? Well, it will lead us into my second company that I started a year and a half ago, which is Life is Wonderful. Now, it also goes back to my beginning journey into recovery. We want to lead. You're talking about changing. Well, there's nothing more difficult than changing your own personal behaviors. If you're in down this road, even though you may know that you have to change, changing your character defects, your character behavior was the most important thing that I've done. Because you want to lead others? Well, you have to lead yourself. You have to actually know who you are. Right now, I'm talking a lot about self-awareness. We also got to be self-aware, company aware to know when certain products may be coming at the end. There's always new technology. Your best salesman may start his own company, may leave. Uh, your best person in marketing or accounting, whatever your business is, there's always different things that are going to make it vulnerable. I mean, that's why we do all those SWOT analysis. You know, they always show those sales forecasts you know, like it's a straight line trajectory upward. In year one, we're going to make 100,000. In year two, it's going to be 350. In year three, it's going to be 680. In year four, we're going to be 1.3. As though there's nothing like a pandemic or a natural disaster like here in Houston, Hurricane Harvey in 2017, or whatever, or right. competitors that'll come in and try to steal, or, you know, it could be people stealing your intellectual property or your, your top customer, you can't just look at your strengths. You've always got to be aware of potential threats, but then you got to have that hope. There's always opportunities. There's always things that you didn't look at. If someone had told me six months ago, there's this new app called Clubhouse, and all of a sudden you're going to interact with all these people, you're not going to meet them face to face. In the morning, I'm talking to people here in Houston, and we're interacting. By 10 p.m. at night, I'm talking to people in England, in New York, in L.A. on something such wonderful, whatever the topic is. It could be a personal topic, a business topic. It could be something about how to grow your podcast audience or your Instagram audience. That's the beauty. I mean, everything is constantly changing and you just got to be flexible. But I think the only way you can truly turn, whether you're big or small, is you also got to know yourself. Yeah, self-awareness. I mean, you know, that's something that I've gotten deeper into over the past couple of years from a technical standpoint, uh, working with a, 
Goldman emotional intelligence and just understanding neuroscience, but uh, you know, just thinking about some of the personal background that you've shared, that self-awareness journey. As my pastor used to say, that could either make you say amen, because I made it through, or ouch, boy, that was painful. Tell me about how was that self-awareness journey for you? How were you able to know what you needed to do? Well, it's actually both. You will say ouch, and you will say amen. Because if you're not saying both, I'm going to be telling you, you're not doing it right. Emotional work is probably the most exhaustive work. If you're putting down things on paper, and I was in therapy for seven years, so I'm going to a therapist every week, once a week for seven years. Now, I knew nothing about emotions. I was in my early 30s. I'll give you this quick story. He's asking me, how do you feel? And I'm thinking, man, look at this SOB giving me this trick question. I don't know anything about emotions. Now, I knew about anger. I couldn't tap into my loneliness. There was moments of happiness, moments of excitement, moments of sadness, but I really didn't know how to feel. See, Mike came from a family that pushed academics, pushed athletics, pushed spiritual boundaries. We went to church every week. Like they say, you know, your weakest, your weakest link is the one that you have to really look at. And unfortunately, that's the one that was holding me back was my emotional intelligence. And as you've now started to explore a lot with Daniel Goldman or Think and Grow Rich and all the stuff that you're doing, that the emotional work is the hardest kind of work. Being vulnerable, emotional vulnerability is actually the rawest kind of courage. People always think that it's the battlefield or it's you're on the football field. And I love playing football. I love hitting people. But there's nothing like actually putting on paper the things that scare us, like saying that I am fearful of success. This is not an oxymoron. I am fearful of success. I want all these good things, but I have no clue of how that's going to feel because it's more comfortable to feel miserable. It's more comfortable to feel almost chaotic. So what your pastor is saying, he's correct. It's going to hurt. You are going to cry, but crying is a good thing. We should encourage all men and women to cry. You should be crying in tears of joy or happiness. Like one of my favorite speeches I always watch is the famous Jimmy Volvano speech in the ESPYs. And he says, you know, one of the, the three things you should do every day, you need to be in thought. You need to actually have your emotions on your sleeve. And you also need to, you know, laugh. But that's the whole thing. You should be able to access all your emotions. And so it does take a lot of work. And then you're able to say, ah, man, when you become much more emotionally available to yourself, which means that you're loving yourself more, but then you're loving others more. And then on the flip side, then you're actually leading and growing your company. And you're actually being the person that you want to be as you grow in years. Man, there's a lot to it. I mean, w one of the things that you talked about is this idea of courage. I've said this a number of times that at the core of leadership is this idea of courage, because you've got to be willing to do what you think is right, regardless of the personal sacrifice. And then I've also talked about the connection between leadership and personal excellence. So talk a little bit more about the courage that it takes for you to live in this place of excellence, to, to actually say, here are some of the barriers that are in my way and I'm going to stare them down. 
I'm going to do the work. I'm going to talk to whoever I need to talk to, to get past this barrier, to get to where I need to be. That's got to be one of the scariest things in the world to, to, to face. It can be. Sometimes you get to the moment of desperation, and that's where I finally was. I'd stopped drinking in May 24th, 1997. Now I was still gambling. So I gave up one addiction. In December of 1998 is when I went into therapy. And like I say, is, is <laughs> I would then try to tell people, well, I stopped drinking. I'm in therapy. What else do you want me to do? Now, I'm still gambling. I'm still crazy. I'm still lying. There's, there's a, none of my character traits have really changed. And so when it finally came to the point where I said, I need help. And I think that's the other thing I want to stress is, is that that's also a sign of courage. We, no one has all the answers. And you cannot read enough books to get the answers. I mean, that's part of the reason we went to Rice. I mean, you were in a great position. You had a career with Coke. You were moving up. You, were, you also had op opportunities with other companies because they were attractive. But you knew that you didn't know everything about business. You needed to tap in on more knowledge. But sometimes we focus on, I just need something specific, like whether it's engineering or it's financial or it's sales. And not knowing that the greatest work is on ourselves. And if we want to be this great husband, this great father, this great friend, this great son, well, we need to be in this perpetual learning of how to take care of ourselves. So I, when I went into, when I've shared this with my family, and I've shared this on other podcasts, when I went in and said, I'm going to seek out help in 12-step rooms and in therapy, I didn't get any support. Now, here's the thing is we didn't have that emotional our family kind of said, you know, it's all about action. You need to do something, you know, but I knew that even though even friends, no one was supporting, I had to get help and support and guidance from complete strangers and actually then go into a therapist. But we need to encourage people. Therapy is a good thing. Self-awareness, even if you just want to journal, just go to the down to the drugstore, get a journal and start writing. Diaries are not just for little eight-year-old girls. Diaries are for everybody. And we should be doing that more as adults. I mean, a lot of people have challenges as, as husbands, as fathers, and friendships. People say, well, how many friends do you still have from Rice? I still talk to about 10 or 12 because I value all, I mean, the close, the people that were on our, on our specific teams. And then the other people like me and you were not on a specific team, but we connected because we, we ended up being in the same room for two years. So I got to know you extremely well, which was a blessing. And see, that's where you tell God, amen, that I didn't have to switch rooms. I had people like Galen that I could talk to and be in the room and listen because we went through different subjects. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.